When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we're recapping Season 2, Episode 20, Help Wanted. The Netflix bio for this episode is, Lorelai helps Richard establish a consulting business. Rory becomes angry that everyone blames Jess for what happened to her. It's very short and sweet bio. Yeah, <laughs> Bit of a frustrating episode. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask what your general thoughts about this episode were. So frustrating, it seems. Yeah. I loved the Lorelai and Richard stuff. That was mm-hmm. great. But the Rory storyline for this whole episode was just really frustrating how mm-hmm. everybody was treating her. Yeah, you could tell she was frustrated as well. Mm -hmm. So that the affect carries through the screen was effective. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought from a storytelling perspective, I liked that this episode was all about like the consequences or the fallout of the previous episode. Like they didn't move too quickly onto something else. They're like simmering in the... (laughs) the you know the wake of the drama last week so I liked to yeah. see that conflict kind of unfold further yeah that's true Jess was not in this episode but he was in the episode definitely I know what you he mean was a, character, you know? a presence uh, yeah yeah okay well we'll get into that more uh but for now let's try to talk about it really fast for 30 seconds yeah. each <laughs> see how we go I don't know why I said that like a British person and see how we do (laughs) okay are you prepared to start us off yeah okay ready set go Luke Steiner is closed because Lorelai and him fought uh they go to the hungry diner instead it's not as good uh they also uh Rory asks Lorelai to get her at a Friday night dinner she agrees so Lorelai goes alone agrees to help Richard start his business there meanwhile Rory tells Dean he's less upset than you would expect uh Lorelai helps Richard they bond she helps get him a secretary there's a cocktail party Emily sees the cast then Rory and Lorelai fight uh (laughs) that was pretty good I started to feel the pressure in the second half, you know, and I started to get worried. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. On your mark, get set, go. So Luke's out of town after the fight. Everybody's a little bit discombobulated. Um, and Lorelai meets, sees Michelle at the Hungry Diner. Uh, meanwhile, there's also a new store opening up in stars hollow and it's going to be a music store that lane is excited for um lorelei goes to friday night dinner and join or offers to help richard in his consulting stuff which is going to be pretty fun and she takes him to a office supply store meanwhile rory tells dean about the accident and he kicks his duffel bag (laughs) wow i did not go in order whatsoever (laughs) you know 
You started with the word discombobulated and you ended with the <laughs> fun fact about Dean kicking his duffel bag. So overall, a really strong start and finish. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that my recap was discombobulating. I would never <laughs> say that. <laughs> I think it's assumed um, both of ours will be discombobulated. But that's a that's good true. word of the day for sure. Yeah, one of my favorites. Okay, should we slow down and try and make it through this cringy episode? <laughs> yes, definitely. We open in the wake of the drama from last week's episode It seems to be the very next day or shortly after and Rory and Lorelai are walking to Luke's and Rory is questioning Lorelai about the fight between her and Luke. Lorelai is being very evasive about this, protesting that it was nothing and it's Mm -hmm. over. They'll be fine. She'll be adorable he'll be crabby and it'll all be fine but they arrive at luke's yeah they arrive at luke's and it's closed implying that no everything is not fine um my question for you at the end of last episode we were talking about will lorelei face like the consequences of her actions Mm -hmm. and here it seems like she's really downplaying her part in that fight yeah to rory though do you think like is this what Lorelai actually feels and she's like covering it up in this discussion like she doesn't want to tell Rory the ugly truth or do you think like in her mind she believes all of this like she really does believe it was nothing I'm kind of inclined to think that she really does believe that it wasn't that big of a deal because we see her in other instances after a fight with Luke not go to Luke's that's and here she like she seems to be fine with going there like the day after if it is the day after Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just so so ridiculous the last thing she said to him was go to hell like how how do you think that you're just gonna walk in and ask for a donut this morning (laughs) that's a good point that after other fights she doesn't go to luke's that here baby was she did she just like black out in her rage (laughs) like Does she not remember properly, like, everything she said? (laughs) Maybe she thinks she was so justified because of, like, Rory being hurt that she was justified in everything she said, which was totally false. (laughs) Yeah. This almost reads as, like, plain make-believe. Like, if you go through the motions, if you say it's fine, and if you show up like it's fine, Mm -hmm. maybe everyone will act like it's fine and it will become (laughs) true, but... Um, Luke not being there prevents that it prevents us from seeing the you know the conflict between those two is delayed throughout this episode and I I kind of appreciate the anticipation of like how will they interact when we see them Mm -hmm. together again and we're made to wait for that yeah I like that we see Luke and Rory first Mm -hmm. the two Mm -hmm. people who are on Jess's side (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, This scene also had my Stars Hollow moment. I thought it was really humorous that when they arrive, there's just this crowd massed (laughs) around Luke's complaining about how Luke's has never been closed before, debating this mystery of like, what happened? Where's Luke? Kirk is worried because he left his wallet in there yesterday, which is a really fun little (laughs) small town fact. Yeah, Kirk is just... I don't know what it like how exactly to describe Kirk's mannerisms and humor 
it's like deadpan but also something else and Mm. it's just like this scene was just a perfect example of it yeah yeah deadpan is i think getting close to how to describe him it's like if quirky and deadpan were combined in a word yeah that's kind of like like sincere yeah he's genuine he really is yeah Which is what causes the quirkiness, really. Because he's not really a quirky person, but he has quirks. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but you're right. It's escaping (laughs) me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in lieu of going to Luke's, uh, Lorelai and Rory go to the Hungry Diner, which we've never seen before. We don't really get an idea of where it is. The logo is very uh, uncannily reminiscent of the original pancake house uh <laughs> logo so where I is this put that out there <laughs> is this in stars hollow are they in a town over are we to believe that there is another diner in the small town of stars hollow that we never hear about again it's yeah. so i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> and why not go to al's pancakes you know i don't know if he actually sells pancakes that's true <laughs> They never order breakfast from Al's pancakes, you know? <laughs> like, is this on the way to Chilton or something? Mm. I don't, but it seems like it must be in town because Michelle is there. Um, mm-hmm. It seems to be his regular place, which Lorelai is very tickled to find out. And poor Michelle is very angry about it. <laughs> yeah, he leaves in a huff. He said this was his place before now. I wonder if he'll ever yeah. go back again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he'll, like, scope it out thoroughly first. (laughs) But they also both complain about the size of the coffee cups. Just the whole atmosphere Mm -hmm. is, like, more of a friendly, upbeat diner as opposed to the grumpy service they're used to. (laughs) Yeah. It's safe to say they hate everything about it because nothing (laughs) can compare to Luke's in their eyes, which is fair, you know. Mm -hmm. But it definitely doesn't get them the fix that they desire we also find out that or rory asks lorelei if she can get out a friday night dinner so that kind of starts a couple of storylines one that emily and richard don't know about the crash Mm -hmm. and the reason rory wants to get out of dinner is so that she can meet dean as soon as he comes back from visiting his grandma i think it was in chicago Mm -hmm. can i flag something here Recall last episode, we commended Lorelai for refusing to lie on Rory's behalf to Dean. And here, she doesn't mm-hmm. hesitate to agree to lie to the grandparents on Rory's behalf so she can go talk to Dean. Is that hypocritical? Or is it just reflective of the fact that Lorelai doesn't really ever care about like lying to her parents? <laughs> like, is that always just acceptable in Lorelai's mind? <laughs> Yeah, probably that one. Yeah. (laughs) She, like, doesn't think of it in the same kind of Mm -hmm. way. I was wondering if there was a parallel there or not. But, yeah, it's it's different when you throw in the parents part of it because, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of surprising that, well, I guess if it's just the next day, then it makes sense that Dean doesn't know. But he is notorious for calling all the time and paging all the time. It just seems a little bit unrealistic that he wouldn't they wouldn't have talked between the accident and the time he gets home Mm -hmm. but maybe he was traveling the whole time i don't know yeah or maybe he 
has gone silent in the wake of mm-hmm. his she likes just realization and he yeah. I think there's a certain safety for him in not contacting her to confirm that which I think we'll get more evidence for later on in his reaction mm-hmm. when she tells him like avoidance is just the theme of this whole show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just avoid things and it will maybe work out <laughs> or yeah. there'll be more conflict, but you'll avoid that too. <laughs> uh, after this, we go straight into a Friday night dinner um, without Rory, of course. Mm-hmm. There's a funny line that almost got my Rory's bookshelf moment in the introduction here um, <laughs> because Lorelai says that she's that Rory's just not feeling well and Emily goes on about how the flu is going around and she says Betty Carlton Munchausen has the flu and I just (laughs) want to point out that Munchausen syndrome is like a mental illness where you make yourself sick for the attention of being cared for Mm -hmm. so I just thought it was hilarious to have that little that last name and Lorelai does point it out but Mm-hmm. doesn't explain it so i just i liked that that little tidbit <laughs> that's good they have some pretty funny back and forth following that as well as they discuss richard's new business which is called the gilmore group i think that's got a good ring to it mm-hmm. which is an international insurance consulting firm and they go back and forth <laughs> about what's his job well he's a consultant what does that mean he goes in his office and what does he do? Like when he sits down, what does he do? <laughs> and Emily's just like, he's a consultant about insurance. And I thought that was good. It reminded me of my days on like Tinder and people's bios would say like <laughs> consultant. And truly, what mm-hmm. is that job? What is that job? I think it's made up like I think there are just men out there being paid absorbent amounts of money to do what? I don't really know. Consult? Like, I could consult. <laughs> I consult yeah. all the time. <laughs> I am potentially applying to consultant positions when I graduate. <laughs> but the the ones I've looked at, so what I gather consulting is, is more like problem solving for your job. Like a company will come to the consultants with this issue that they're having and the consultants will either be experts in the field or do a whole bunch of research and give them potential solutions and like follow through on it and stuff. So that's that's what I gather it is. (laughs) I could be wrong. (laughs) That is helpful. Good luck on your I hope your consulting career goes (laughs) as well as Richard's. Uh, it's not my first choice job but it's mm -hmm, something right right it's something the conversation continues as Richard arrives and they discuss his business further he's run into this issue that his former secretary Margie does not want to leave the old company to work for Richard and in this conversation, I placed my Friday night dinner critique. Oh, so did I. <laughs> okay. See, I thought maybe you would do the Lorelai and Rory fight later. So I'm like, I'll put it here. But um, <laughs> we can both tag team the critique then. Um, what did you, what were you thinking for this critique? Um, mine was con- kind of twofold. The first was the like use of descriptors relating to Margie's fatness as insults and like 
demeaning things like they call mm-hmm. her largey margie and the yeah. rotund ingrade i know it was so bad <laughs> yeah and it was just like it, especially emily calls her the rotund ingrade after like as an insult a specific mm-hmm. insult because margie won't come and help richard so yeah. i thought that was just way beyond what is acceptable and very insulting and very demeaning to mm-hmm. fat people yeah. And also because Margie seems to be an extremely good secretary. Yeah. But they're trying to demean her by pointing out her size, which mm-hmm. just reflects society's ideas about fat people, really. <laughs> yeah. And the like implying the sense of like greed alongside mm-hmm. that. Like, how could she possibly ask for more money? You know, like, yeah. where's her loyalty? So they're really trying to tie the fatness alongside these like negative qualities that she supposedly has (laughs) and I liked that Lorelai I mean she did say the inappropriate nickname that she had made up for her when she was six but past that she does defend Margie fairly well in this scene um she points out like you can't blame her for sticking around for the company for that she's worked at for 20 years that is willing to continue to pay her what she's worth. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Richard is claiming she owes him some loyalty and she should work for less because he can't afford to pay her yet. And that's just ridiculous. That was a huge part of my critique. I think these conversations about work are far more prevalent today. But the idea that like someone should work for any less than what their like skills our worth is absurd mm-hmm. to me and it made me really just um judge Richard for even thinking that was acceptable and then when Margie doesn't agree to come work for him his business is basically about to fall apart like he is yeah useless he doesn't <laughs> and know you how to be here <laughs> yeah he doesn't know how to do anything so he simultaneously mm-hmm. like commending her work at like the highest level like I need her she was the best there ever was I can't do this without her but he's also demeaning her labor at the same time like oh she should do it for less money and Mm -hmm. that discrepancy I don't think he sees like Lorelai can kind of see it but um that like undervaluing while simultaneously valuing and not being able to do it yourself like there's just a lot of work politics in this scene that I thought were interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like asking somebody to take a lower paying job because of the experience they'll get or like mm. the networking that they can do. And it's like that just shows a complete disconnection with the material reality of most people's lives. Yeah, it's great to get more experience and stuff, but if you don't have enough money to pay your rent, that really makes no difference whatsoever. And Margie could totally really like Richard and like working for him and stuff, but she's probably middle class and needs and Mm -hmm. has gotten used to the salary that she has. And Mm -hmm. it makes complete sense that she wouldn't want to just like toss half of it away because she likes him. (laughs) (laughs) They just like the way that he holds Marjorie on a pedestal. It's like administrative work holds a mystique to Richard (laughs) that he just doesn't (laughs) understand. And the fact that he doesn't believe he can replace Margie, which is kind of hard for me to wrap my head around because I'm like, there's just a whole 
Like, that's just a whole workforce or field of people who do mm-hmm. administrative work. Like, it's a whole field. And that he has to have encountered many secretaries in his day, right? Not his own, but others. I mean, I'm using secretary because that's the word they're using in the episode. But it was just like, Lorelai has to convince him that there are other Margies out there. And it was just kind of weird to me. Once again, we see somebody averse to change. <laughs> mm-hmm. The scene ends with Emily saying, an office without Marjorie seems inconceivable. And Lorelai says, dream with me here, folks. And then they all simultaneously take a drink together. And it just had some very comedic line deliveries um, to wrap up the scene, which otherwise had made me fairly angry. But then I'm like, ah, the dang Gilmore family. They're so like... (laughs) posh and funny and so similar yet different like it was good (laughs) Lorelai also uh offers to help Richard so that's yeah Yeah. that's the solution to his problem Mm -hmm. which I really love the scenes that come after with them yeah but let the record reflect Richard's consulting business would not have gotten off the ground without Mm -hmm. Lorelai because he doesn't know how to answer the phone or find office supplies mm-hmm. or a few things that we'll see. <laughs> but you're right. It does allow yeah. <laughs> for scenes that I really do treasure as a viewer. <laughs> After this, we are taken to a bit of a downer. <laughs> uh, Rory is sitting outside of Dean's house just waiting for him. And he arrives in a van with a guy I'm assuming is his father who just walks in and says, hello, Rory. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Rory Instead of saying anything to Dean, she just gives him a letter, which I'm interested by. I I have done this many times in my life when I have something like that's difficult to say. I'll write it, like send it in a letter or give it to somebody in a written form. I feel like it's just Mm -hmm. easier to communicate sometimes. But I don't know. This was just, this seemed like an odd choice for this circumstance when he Mm -hmm. can clearly see that something happened and she's standing right in front of him as he reads it. That just seemed a little bit awkward to me. <laughs> yeah. I had a couple of thoughts about that. One, when I was younger or even now, sometimes it's my bad habit of trying to like say something in a text message rather than in mm. person because it feels like the conflict is easier yeah. <laughs> when I have time to form my thoughts and I don't like get, you know, worked up or see other- someone else getting worked up. And the second is how many times has Rory tried to explain herself to Dean and she gets in interrupted by him like That's yelling or you know like this was a way for her to guarantee hopefully and it does work out that like he'll have to read the whole thing and she can get her whole like side of the story out so I think it is reflective of their not so great communication up to this point Mm -hmm. and maybe this was her way of trying to like rectify that but it was pretty strange um to see (laughs) yeah that's true I had forgotten about like when Dean showed up to that (laughs) invasion by Jess in Paris and Mm -hmm. he didn't let her say anything yeah that makes sense that then that she would write this in a letter (laughs) Dean Mm -hmm. has some kind of comical like He'll read a couple lines and say, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) And then at the very end, he kicks his duffel bag, which Mm -hmm. I I feel like, I mean, it is a a more acceptable way of getting out your aggression if you need Mm -hmm. to. But I also think 
oftentimes if you need to express your aggression physically in the moment, that's not always going to end well. But he also then, after he finishes the letter, he just says, is he really gone? Rory says yes, and then Dean says okay, and invites her into dinner? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) I didn't expect this scene to take that turn. Mm-hmm. And Rory didn't either. Rory's like confounded. She was waiting for like the yelling and all of this. And so was I. I didn't remember how this scene went. And it is truly just the epitome of their avoiding change together. Yeah. Like Dean, the fact that he's willing to just like forgive and forget based on the fact that Jess is gone and they can start over, as Lorelai says later, is. It's like exactly actually something I could see the two of them doing. Mm, It surprised me at first, but then I was like, this actually makes sense for the patterns of their relationship so far, I feel. Yeah, I think it's also him doing exactly what everybody else in the town is doing, which is Mm. putting all the blame on Jess. And Mm -hmm. once Jess is out of the picture, he doesn't think that there could be any possibility that Rory would be unfaithful mm-hmm. to him or have mm. like another guy That's it was all Jess's point. fault Jess was the temptation <laughs> later when Rory complains that everyone is treating her as super innocent she includes Dean in the list of people mm-hmm. so I think that's totally right that he this would go differently if Jess was still in town but that he's not it's like well the threat to my beautiful young innocent girlfriend is gone like she would never do anything to hurt me except for that one guy and it was his fault and now he's gone and we're fine fairy tale ending we're gonna be great yeah. do you want some roast you can have my corn <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no way that Rory's gonna still be thinking about Jess or you know hop on a bus to visit Jess that or will definitely Jess not happen or anything <laughs> Oh the season gosh. actually ends with this episode. I don't know if you realize that. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they're together forever. <laughs> okay. Well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, later that night, because there is more to the episode, actually. I kid, I kid. Um, <laughs> later that night, Rory is home. Lorelai is wrapping her cast in saran wrap or plastic wrap, if it's a non-name brand, to so she can shower, I would assume, but... Through that, they're having a conversation where Rory is telling her, like, I was so surprised. Dean wasn't upset. He seems to be over it. And Lorelai is saying, yeah, it seems fine. He's great. You should be grateful. Um, And she ends with this, like, characteristic red flag advice, I would say, um, which is that Dean knows you. He wouldn't he knows you wouldn't do anything to hurt him. Jess is gone. Now you two can start over, (laughs) which is really the continuation of the can we go back to what it was Mm -hmm. waited out theme that we hated so much last episode. It's sticking through here, like start over your already short relationship. Like it's kind of a bad sign if you need to start over this soon. Just start over alone. Just continue on your lives alone. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay to realize that you're not interested in the person you're with anymore and just break up with them. Like, you, she doesn't, Rory doesn't actively need Jess there as temptation to break up with Dean. She could break up with him because she's realized she doesn't like him like that anymore. 
which I think is has definitely happened, as we've said in the past few episodes. <laughs> yeah, I was also just disappointed in Lorelai again for so clearly taking Dean's side and kind of ignoring Rory's feelings about it all. I always but- knew that Lorelai was Team Dean, but I never, I did not remember the extent of mm-hmm. it. It runs really deep, and she's quite loyal to Dean in a weird way, and yeah, I didn't realize that until we watched so slowly and to see it unfold and persist episode after episode. Like, Jess and Logan never really stood a chance. Like, they both have their faults, of course, but it seems like never could have been, like, compared to the memory of Dean in Lorelai's eyes, yeah. <laughs> not Rory's. <laughs> That's true. Even when things happen in later seasons, Lorelai still at least is nice and friendly to Dean. Yeah, I'll have to recall. Once we get there, we'll have to see if she turns on Dean at that moment for, you know, ruining Rory's virtue. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) deflowering her. (laughs) Honestly, doesn't she hold Rory accountable for that? So that might be actually a big turning point in all of this uh yeah we'll get there (laughs) in the meantime in this episode it's uh, a day or so in the future and Lorelai is helping Richard as she promised to do she amazes him this reminded me actually of Rory making I think it was a frozen pizza oh yeah and Emily and Richard were amazed because here Lorelai shows off her skills at fixing the thermostat and the telephone and voicemail and her knowledge of how and where to get office supplies. <laughs> it's like just really the basics, but yeah. Richard is so out, like not grounded in reality, but he does like, you know, come to admire the office supply store throughout their time there. Um, this includes getting a coffee pot that is 40% off. At first, he complained that no employees were there to help him. But Lorelai says that's so they can afford, you know, coffee pots at this price. And he, like, looks over his shoulder and then, like, grabs the coffee pot from the top shelf. It was so mischievous. Uh, Later on, he's impressed by the post-it note selection. And he gets one for himself and one for Emily because he notices she uses (laughs) them to put reminders to herself on the mirror. And that was just, like, such a cute little yeah tidbit that shows me i think they're they're on a better track you know like they've had some distance when he was going through his funk but now it's like he's noticing and observing those little things about his partner that's like a very good sign to me and it's so Mm -hmm. romantic like the simple buying of (laughs) post-it notes for someone (laughs) yeah i loved this this whole scene so much it was just richard is completely (laughs) disconnected from the rest of the world but Mm -hmm. he's so adorable while he's Mm -hmm. being disconnected and i thought it was also great there just seems to be no tension or anything between Mm -hmm. lorelei and richard and it almost makes me wonder whether whether in some ways there the tension in their relationship is all based in setting like whenever Mm -hmm. they're at the house there's tension Or whether it's whenever Emily is around. Because when it's just the two of them, they seem to be getting on really well. Even when they have kind of a tiff later on, it's not that big of a deal. Like, Mm -hmm. they both move on from it. But, yeah, I just loved these scenes with them together. Also, I was thinking about what was 
allowing the two of them to like bond and get along like you were saying and I do think the setting is a huge part of it like Lorelai being in Richard's world and not that I think she has to prove herself to him but just by doing her thing Richard is witnessing how capable she is and he is like I think he's just taking it in this time around like when he was with Mm -hmm. her at the inn I think he was coming to that with all of his baggage, you know, his need to feel superior. He was going through it. But since then, he's kind of come around. He's found his plan. He also, like, as you pointed out, he was doing well as, like, a teacher and a mentor in the previous episode or two ago. I wonder if being in that space helped him Mm, as well. It's just, like, he's actually taking Lorelai seriously and seeing how she can effectively work within his world to the point where like he wants her to keep working with him you know but he can't like uh she can't yeah I would like a spin-off with them working in an office together that would be fun yeah it's just like he would have to know she's not coming on to be an administrative assistant yeah you know like she's way overqualified for the work that like, she's doing all of this as a favor to him, you know, but he would actually need to treat her more like, maybe not quite an equal, because of course she is still, like, not as far along as he is, but he'd have to give her a different title and role, mm-hmm. I think, than Margie yeah. <laughs> or Karen in the end. <laughs> That's true. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Luke Steiner is a dining staple in Stars Hollow. This is an uncontested truth, but not many people know that in the nearby vicinity, there's another perfectly acceptable restaurant option for your breakfast, the Hungry Diner. We offer a cute pink interior with exposed brick, big windows providing natural light, plenty of flowers and greenery, and waitresses with quaint little aprons and paper top hats. We also provide great service simply by asking our guests to wait just a minute or two to be seated in our open sections, ensuring our waitstaff is ready to serve them. Like any good diner, we have coffee to start your meal. Unlike others, though, we serve the coffee in cute, tiny little cups. While some have complained about the size and request coffee bowls instead, we maintain that cups are a special part of the coffee-drinking morning routine here at The Hungry Diner. Everything is cuter in miniature. And hey, that just means you get to drink twice as many cups of coffee. Besides coffee, we also have a wide menu. If you're not sure what pancakes look like because you've been living in a cave for the past 50 years, you're in luck. Our menu features plenty of pictures of our food items to assist your decision. We're always happy to recommend our egg white omelet, highly rated by our regular customer, Michelle. So the next time you're looking for a new place to eat in Stars Hollow... Or the next time that Luke goes on vacation and you need somewhere else to go, use code LUKESGONE when you are out checking out with your waitress and you'll get 15% off your breakfast order. We hope to see you soon. After this scene, we get another great scene, I think. We have uh, Rory and Lane walking around town and there's a shop that has like newspaper all through the windows and... They get pretty excited about what it might be. Lane can see instruments, so she thinks it's a music shop, which is very exciting, especially for her. And then Rory goes over to talk to Taylor, and this 
in conjunction with a similar scene in just a little bit is my Stars Hollow moment. And not necessarily mm. for <laughs> a good aspect of Stars Hollow. Mm-hmm. Because what she's doing is she's going over to Taylor to apologize because the car hit a bench that had his advertisement on it. And he immediately said, like, goes on and on about how it's not her fault. It's Jess's fault. He was the one driving. And even if Roy had given him the keys and all that stuff, it was still 100% his fault. And this goes back to what we've been talking about with the Stars Hollow people this whole time is Mm -hmm. their kind of exclusionary practices and holding Rory up on this pedestal where she can do no wrong and never has to take responsibility for her actions. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was frustrating for me. It was frustrating for Rory. She was pretty angry with Taylor. It highlights something that's not great about the town. But I Mm -hmm. feel like for once... The show is also highlighting it as something that's not great from the town. Yeah. Usually yeah. they have, they see this kind of, the this stuff is added as like a quirk and stuff like that. But here I think they're actually critiquing it, which I did appreciate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I could just show people who complain about Rory being entitled, if I could show them this episode, <laughs> at least I could point to a reason of why, you know. Yeah. It doesn't excuse all of her actions down the line, but it truly did not come out of nowhere. And I wouldn't say it was truly just like an inherent quality of her character. It shows this is showing truly how it is like um, it's her environment that is producing this quality in her. She's like actively so many times trying to take accountability like we were requesting she would do last episode. She's trying to do it. She's really trying hard and she's met with like resistance at every turn. So yeah, I think this is a really good critique and there will be many places where we can continue it throughout this episode because it was frustratingly a whole thread throughout this. <laughs> yeah, everybody's so like patronizing towards her and infantilizing and everything like Mm -hmm. at one point Lorelai responds to her saying something about it being her fault by saying like oh Rory kind of like in a little kid kind of way and it was just so Mm -hmm. frustrating (sighs) oh um before we move on I had my Rory's bookshelf nomination in this scene as Rory and Lane are promenading um they have just picked up books from the bookstore And they've got a book by Dawn Powell. And Rory says, she's telling Lane, this writer wrote a lot of the jokes that Dorothy Parker got credit for. And I've given Dorothy Parker my Rory's Bookshelf nomination before. And Amy Sherman Palladino is a Dorothy Parker fan. Her whole production company is named Dorothy Parker Drank Here, like I think I shared before. So I think it was just cool. Like, I could imagine her, Amy Sherman Palladino, like, reading Dorothy Parker or reading about her and coming across this fact that there is a lesser known kind of obscure writer who may have, you know, contributed to Parker's jokes or whatever. Um, So I thought it was cool. And I looked her up because I hadn't heard of her before. She was obscure to me as well. And I suppose it seems like Powell was writing in the 20th century. And just like Dorothy Parker, she's known for, according to Wikipedia, 
acid-tongued prose, <laughs> which I think is a hilarious woman to describe like sharp-talking women, you know, <laughs> <laughs> acid-tongued. I think that is fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I thought another interesting fun fact is that she signed with Scribner in 1939, and she had the same editor who did work with Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald. So the big boys, you know, like she had the same editor. Um, So this makes me maybe I'll go read her. I could tell that the book Rory had was like the modern library edition of her works. So maybe I'll get that specific one um, and read it if I ever get the time. (laughs) That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. After this scene... I'm not sure when in time this is. It must be a couple days later. But let me tell you something. I wrote a note here when I see Lane walk up to... It is now Sophie's Music. It's a fully functioning store. It's just opened. It was covered with newspapers just a scene ago. Like, in real life, this would have taken weeks, don't you think? Mm -hmm. But you're right. It was only a couple days because we end the episode with the Friday cocktail party. Like, it's only... This episode only spans a week, but this is a little discrepancy, I think. Unless it was, like, a polished store ready to go and they only had to take the newspaper off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Mm -hmm, But, I guess yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. But we get the beginning of Lane's actual storyline for the series in this. Um, she walks into the store. Kirk is at the desk applying for a job that doesn't exist with naming all these things he's done in the past. Kind of a meta moment. Yeah, a good bit of Kirk working at every single place. And Sophie mm-hmm. is like, I don't really need you here. <laughs> and this is Carol King, mm-hmm. by the way, who sings the theme the theme song, I guess. The, yeah. I don't know. Where opening you credits song. Lead- yeah. I will follow. Okay. <laughs> so Lane is clearly in heaven. She's like looking at all the instruments. Um, Carol King tells her, or I guess Sophie tells her not to touch <laughs> things. And then she sees this red drum set and she like lights up. And Sophie tells her that she can sit. She can't touch the instrument, but she can sit there. So she like air drums above the drums and it's just so she's so excited and it's I'm so glad we're finally getting a storyline for Lane that's Mm -hmm. like separate from Rory yeah I've been waiting for this 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 scene was my gazebo moment actually for a lot of the reasons you stated I was just so happy that we're finally getting this storyline that is like all about Lane, all about her own journey. Like really, as she tells as she tells Rory later, like she's found her purpose in life, like her destiny. And it's just so moving to see the moment where like Lane finds the thing that she loves and is passionate about. And when she like looks at the drums, you can tell like it's just like love at first sight. It was as if like the clouds opened and sun was shining down. It was like, ah, from the heavens above. And a star is born. Oh, and it was just so, it was so good. Um, like an, She has like an epiphany, truly. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy for her. And I thought this yeah. was great. I didn't remember this happened in this episode. 
just like I didn't remember a film by Kirk. Um, I feel like we've just gotten some, <laughs> we're getting some like very quintessential Gilmore Girls components in some of these episodes and Lane being a drummer is one really important one here. Yeah, finally she has something to look forward to other than being a salesperson, which again <laughs> is not a bad job, but... Clearly, I wants. mean, Sophie here is <laughs> yeah. a salesperson of musical <laughs> instruments. That's not so bad. That's true. Meanwhile, Lorelai is up to something slightly more mundane than discovering her true calling, which is helping out Richard, which is important. She's like anticipating his every need as he's on the phone. They're working really seamlessly together. And she goes out to take a call, which is Emily. So she immediately loses all of her professionalism and prank calls her. Well, it's like the opposite of a prank call. It's the prank (laughs) receipt. I don't know. But she and I have my captions on and the caption said she was imitating bimbo here. Yeah. Which I thought was so rude of Netflix captions. (laughs) And she's talking, I guess, in a bimbo like voice or tone. Emily ends up saying she's crude and unprofessional, but does tell her to take a note that she's planning a cocktail party for the office on that Friday. So be ready. Not much else happens in that scene. I thought it was a little bit uh, strange, like that Lorelai was willing to make a joke, basically pretending that she was sleeping with her father. (laughs) Like it just... I don't know. It seems like a kind a of joke. Freud, a little Freud yeah. would have a field day with that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was pretty funny. Yeah. She's like, he didn't tell me about a wife. <laughs> yeah. So after this, we're back in Stars Hollow, going back to Lorelai and Rory's house. And Rory is returning from school. And this is the other scene that's kind of in conjunction with my Stars Hollow mm-hmm. from earlier because Babette runs up. And she uh, wants to check on Rory. She starts going on and on about how men can lead lead people like lead her astray. Um, it's very funny, but also very mm-hmm. like frustrating <laughs> because again, just blaming it all on like the temptation of a you know bad boy, which mm-hmm. you know Jess is a bad boy, and that is why many mm-hmm. people like him, but. Yeah, but it's giving all of the agency to Jess, like mm-hmm. implying that Rory had no choice or affected the situ- situation at all. And I agree, like I love Babette and the way that she says this is so funny. She's talking about <laughs> it's so hard to be a woman, you know, we've got morals and standards and good common sense and then bam, and there's a dirty little wolf waiting to lead you astray um really playing into the wolf and like innocent lamb analogy Mm -hmm. there she talks about how she herself met a gorgeous tan guy and next thing she knew she was wearing a muumuu playing a tambourine at the airport (laughs) she's like i was in a cult once is how she starts that out and it's just like how did we get here but yeah yeah, underneath (laughs) all of the fun babette of this uh, is just really the persistent accusation against Jess and like really the, yeah, the um, infantilization of Rory, like you mm-hmm. pointed out. And she says, don't worry, toots, this has happened to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Babette. <laughs> we also then get a phone call from Lane where she is 
raving about her finding her destiny and drums. She's standing outside of Kim's Antique with two drumsticks and on her cordless phone yelling about this to Rory. And then she (laughs) stuffs the drumsticks into like a flower pot and (laughs) becomes instantly like straight faced and sober and walks into a prayer meeting where everybody's singing Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was just great like her double life (laughs) yeah I described it as like she's at this like level of excitement and then it dials down and she's so stoic as she walks in but then at the end of the scene she like has this like knowing smile to herself as Mm -hmm. she's singing these like bible study songs or whatever (laughs) her secret life (laughs) yeah yay later that day Lorelai is working late with Richard as they are interviewing potential secretaries for him. They are talking to someone named Karen before that was a moniker for a type (laughs) of person, white woman. And she seems very qualified for this position, like Mm -hmm. more than qualified. She has lots of experience and Lorelai tries to tell Richard this once she's left. But Richard seems very disinterested throughout this entire interview process and it's clear that he wants Lorelai basically to work with him he's like everything has been going so well with us like tomorrow and then she kind of stops him and is like I have a job of my own I can't really come here tomorrow I really think you should hire Karen and this sort of ends in a bit of a tiff between them and You can tell his feelings are a little hurt. He doesn't really want to finish the business lunch they've been having. He just says, you should go. I've got calls to make and sort of shuts down, uh, which is, you know, sad since they've been getting along so well. But there will be a bit of resolution to this later on, luckily. Yeah, the way that he described Lorelai actually gets my uh, Rory's bookshelf because he (laughs) describes her as... The tiny man on MASH who, like, reads everybody's mind. <laughs> and that he's referring to Radar. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched MASH, but there's a movie from the 70s. It's about, like, a group of doctors on the front of the Korean War, I believe. And so there's a movie from the 70s that's a little bit... That's super irreverent and pretty fun. But then there was a TV show that went on for a long time. And we used to watch this when I was a kid. Um, And it's it's a little bit more self-reflective of the whole uh, position of the American army in the Mm. Korean War. But um, yeah, there's this character named Radar who is like the assistant to the general or whoever the highest ranking person is it I don't know the titles very well and he like he does do that the the general will be starting to ask for something and radar will like have have started saying the exact same thing like two seconds earlier so that's Mm. that's how Lorelai is uh anticipating everything for Richard but yeah I was also kind of disappointed in how he reacted to Lorelai But I thought it was also kind of a testament to how much he was realizing he likes her. Yeah. (laughs) Which I don't think he's realized before. Like he he 
felt comfortable with her. He was looking forward to sitting and eating lunch with her and just like talking business stuff. And yeah, it's nice to see that they had that they have a bond now over something Mm -hmm. other than their troubled pasts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were operating as a team and he was trying to hold on to that as long as he could. Uh, But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see a resolution to this. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. From here, we move to the office cocktail party where that resolution happens. Before this, we get a bit of a short scene between Rory and Lorelai on their drive over. They've stopped at somewhere. The sign seems to say Casey's Annex. It's like a hole in the wall and they order burgers. They don't like them. They're still just suffering (laughs) I think this is good because it shows Lorelai is like paying penance for her actions. <laughs> Even if she's not aware that she did something wrong, like she did. And now she doesn't get to eat at Luke's and she's had to eat at the Hungry Diner and now this random place and she doesn't like the burger. So it's like you get what you get, Lorelai. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> she gets my Lorelai's closet for the outfit she's wearing to this cocktail party. It's like... Mm a dress that's black lace um and then it has like a nude lining underneath Mm -hmm. so it almost looks like it's just black lace above skin tone but it's like a slightly different tone and -hmm. I thought she looked really good in it and it also seemed like kind of a as opposed to some of Lorelai's fashion it seemed like a dress that could still be fashionable today or actually, a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff from the early 2000s seems to be coming back, sadly. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it was kind of like a timeless, just yeah. elegant dress. I, I really liked yeah. it. Like, I could wear that to a cocktail party, and it yeah. would be a perfectly good option. <laughs> yeah. I actually had my Lorelai's Closet nomination for Rory's ah. outfit, her ensemble <laughs> for this. She's like... She went blue. She's feeling blue and she's wearing blue. She's got on like a nice all blue dress that has some, I think it's pink and white little flowers like embroidered around around the neckline. She's got a blue cardigan on over that, which was cute. And then I don't know if you can see it now, but I did notice when she is walking around later that night, she's got a light blue coat on as well. That's like a longer dressier coat and it's all like the blue basically the color of Alexis Bledel's eyes so it works Mm -hmm. really well in that way too and it was just a good it was a good Rory outfit I thought yeah they really showed up for the cocktail party (laughs) this random cocktail party to celebrate the Gilmore group you're right (laughs) they had to look good for their fight you know (laughs) that's true we did also get another little tidbit as they're driving away mm. and Lorelai is complaining about the burgers, Rory says, or she tries to apologize again um, because, you know, Luke is gone. So that means that she has to get burgers elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai's response is basically to say that not to think of it that way because everybody loves Rory. This is all on dress. Like, this is all dress's fault. Again. Yeah, so she said, Lorelai says it's dress's fault. And Rory says, I was there. Rory said, I was there too. But Lorelai dismisses her and says, oh, everyone loves you. (laughs) Um, 
it's truly like the the prelude to their larger fight mm-hmm. because Lorelai is so dismissive here and will continue to be later on. They're just really shutting her down and not yeah. listening to her. Yeah, and which like we'll get to. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the continued it's all on Jess is just so annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After this, we show up at the cocktail party. Lorelai goes up to Richard. She sees him, I think, what are her words, scoring a deal. (laughs) And at at first, Richard protests and is like, that's not what I was doing. But at the end of the conversation, he's like, okay, I got to go score more deals. So he's like participating in her lingo. But this is a nice moment between the two of them, I thought. Yeah. Their whole relationship seems to get back on track pretty easily. Um, Mm -hmm. Lorelai just kind of mentions that it seems like he has hired Karen and she seems to be working out and they go she goes on about bagging the Swede (laughs) but yeah I just I'm glad that they they had their little conflict but it really didn't amount to a huge fight like often the conflicts do (laughs) at the very end of this Richard also says something which I thought was really almost a compliment (laughs) he says (laughs) He says, uh, Karen is no dot, 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 Margie. And you could just tell he was, on that too. <laughs> he was thinking like Karen was no you, Lorelai. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think Lorelai picked up on that. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the closest you're going to get in the Gilmore family. <laughs> so might as well accept the, the side comment. <laughs> After this, things go downhill. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Emily sees Rory's cast, which kind of reminds us that Lorelai has been keeping it secret the whole time and not mentioned that anything happened. Um, Lorelai, her first instinct is to lie about it still, like say that it was bees, which is an interesting uh, thing to fall back on. But then we get kind of an interesting turn Emily starts blaming Lorelai. What she's blaming Lorelai mostly for is not keeping Rory away from Jess. And yeah. we're kind of reminded of that episode where I don't remember exactly what the context was, but where Emily was just like telling Lorelai that she needs to lock Rory in her room, like mm-hmm. need to watch <laughs> her, you need to be her uh, like conscience or whatever I don't remember exactly but Mm -hmm. that was pretty verbatim I think (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish that Lorelai would like hear this and it would spark something in her mind like that Emily is so blatantly and over the top blaming everybody other than Rory not even asking Rory what happened or listening to Rory's explanation of what happened which is really frustrating and Mm -hmm. Lorelai doesn't seem to really pick up on the fact that she's been doing the exact same thing. Um, I know. The, you, the self-awareness is not there, mm-hmm. right? Like, she is really parenting when it comes to Jess in a very similar way that Emily would. And she. this could have been a moment, like you're saying, for her to see that and make amends about it, but she does not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, instead... Rory starts to get really angry and is insisting that it's at least partly her fault. She's really trying to speak up for Jess in this moment. 
kind of divert all of this negativity away from him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like she's had enough, you know, her she's been so frustrated and she just bursts out like, I gave him the keys. I told him to keep driving instead of going back to Luke's. It's his fault. I mean, it's my fault as much, if not more than him. Mm-hmm. And she's saying this at a fairly loud volume. So this prompts Lorelai to say like, oh, I'll take care of this. And they go out into the hallway and they have at it. This is a this is a good fight. And by good fight, I mean, it's intense. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down a lot of the lines because like Rory made so many good points in this. She was really standing her ground, even if Lorelai was not listening to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which again, was just so frustrating. One of the things I thought was good that just kind of starts off the fight is Rory says that she's sick of people treating her like she's a mindless idiot just being led around by some guy which is Mm -hmm. exactly what Babette was saying and basically what Taylor was saying as well and it I think you are definitely right that this is playing into the mistakes she makes in the future because this is how everybody sees her and Mm -hmm. at some point she also starts to see her in this herself Mm -hmm. in this way that mm-hmm. she is kind of like she cannot be sullied by <laughs> by her choices and mistakes and yeah. it's always the guy's fault or whatever or something else is at mm-hmm. fault. Yeah. Huh. I just had like an epiphany like um <laughs> um like Rory tells Jess to drive the car and he crashes it. Rory tells Logan they should seal the yacht. Uh, And it crashed. Don't they crash? Yeah, she is the cult leader. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) But back to this fight, because there's, like, plenty of lines that I do think we should highlight. Lorelai's first defense is that Jess was driving, so it has Mm -hmm. to be his fault. And Rory asks an excellent rebuttal question here. What if Dean had been driving? Mm-hmm. Would everyone be reacting the same way? And Lorelai responds like without, this is so illogical. Because she's like, if Dean was driving, there wouldn't have been an accident. He's responsible and loves you and would drive more responsibly. Yeah. Like, first of all, you use responsibly twice in one sentence. Like, no, I'm kidding. But like, she has a blind faith in Dean. <laughs> yeah. And she's ignoring the definition of accident which she has Mm -hmm. also used. It's an accident, which means that there's no controlling whether it happens or not, no matter how responsible you are. And Rory's response picks up on that. uh, Like, oh, yeah, I forgot that you think Jess is the Antichrist. He wanted to crash and he wanted to hit something. He's a murderer and wanted to kill us both. So (laughs) she's like, oh, okay, you think everything Jess does is like a choice and Mm -hmm. that he purposefully does things to hurt me or something. So she goes for, like, the rhetorical strategy strategy of, like, hyperbole here. Like, <laughs> of course, I forgot. He's the Antichrist who had this, like, goal to hurt us both. And Lorelai doesn't really – she kind of just redirects, like, you think he's your friend, but he's not. He's an angry yeah. kid, and he has no respect for Luke or me. And I thought it was very interesting mm-hmm. and telling that Lorelai included herself in that, like – is all of this is the seed of all of this the fact that Jess disrespected her at the very beginning when he was at her house and took the beer and then didn't want to have like the little heart to heart talk with her is it more so about wounded pride I think <laughs> than that's anything? exactly it 
<laughs> if it can be about Lorelai, it's about Lorelai. <laughs> she, she also finishes that up by saying, he's gone. I win. I get to hate him forever. Which oh, is yeah. just, it's just, it's baffling how like little she seems to realize and care about Rory's feelings about this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yes, Lorelai can hate him forever. But telling mm-hmm. your daughter that, who has serious feelings for this guy and is actively fighting you for treating him this way, I, I just don't see how that's good in any way. Mm-hmm. It's damaging, <laughs> I think. I think it is damaging to the relationship because one of the final lines from Rory here is, whatever I say you're going to blame Jess. Like, she picks up on the fact that she has tried to say this, defend him in a variety of different ways mm-hmm. from different angles. And Lorelai is not listening and it's falling on ears that are just not hearing her. And I can't imagine how that would feel to be like the daughter in this situation and have your mom blatantly confirm that, no, I'm not going to believe you. Mm-hmm. Like, my daughter i'm not i'm just choosing not to believe you because of how harsh my feelings are against someone else and the fight doesn't end like in resolution it's more at an impasse with lord yeah. like with rory's really dejection of feeling like she like her own mom is just not believing her and that is so that's so such a bad feeling i imagine yeah so disheartening they mm. kind of end by just saying like they're I guess gonna like, agree fine. to disagree <laughs> yeah yeah which is putting it lightly Lorelai is not agreeing to disagree but they are in public more or less <laughs> so it can't mm-hmm. go on forever Rory decides that she wants to go home alone Lorelai should stay at the cocktail party and Rory will take her bus home so I I don't this should be a clear sign to Lorelai that things are not not mm-hmm. done. Rory's okay. still, like, yeah, she still has serious feelings about this, but Lorelai either doesn't want to or just doesn't seem to notice. <laughs> well, there is a brief interlude before we pick up back with Rory at Sophie's mm-hmm. Music Shop, which is a nice little decompressing scene for us after <laughs> that fight, I think. Lane is trying to persuade Sophie to let her practice the drums uh, on Monday and Wednesday nights, I believe. And Sophie's kind of not buying it at first. She's a pretty like brusque, like no nonsense New Yorker. And she has to like warm up to Lane a little bit. She seems to be persuaded once she finds out that Lane wants to come at these specific times because her mom will be at Bible study. Mm -hmm. So I think Sophie's like, ah, very, you know, sheltered, strict childhood. I have a bit of sympathy for that is what I think I saw going through. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she agrees to let Lane play the drums and she asks, can I hit them this time? Which I thought was funny. (laughs) And she starts and she seems like a natural to me. I'm no expert. Um, (laughs) But Sophie is persuaded in the end and she turns off the lights for Lane because Mrs. Kim sometimes walks this way on her way home. (laughs) So the scene ends with like just the sounds of Lane playing drums in the darkness. And it was comedic, but also so heartwarming. 
It's the start of something great. Yeah. <laughs> that scene of Lane drumming in the darkness was my gazebo moment. Oh, nice. <laughs> kind of in tangent with yours earlier, because I'm, I'm just so glad that we have something going for Lane and mm-hmm. also something to break up the terribleness of other stuff happening in this episode. Yeah, truly, truly. It was like icing on the cake. Yeah, it's a portent for good things in the future. But our last scene for this episode so Rory is back in town. She walks past and hears some mysterious drumming coming from the music yeah. shop, which was great. I liked that <laughs> yeah. consistent detail. Yeah. <laughs> and she arrives in the square and sees Luke getting back from his fishing trip. And so she goes right up to him and they kind of have a cordial conversation. She asks if he caught anything and stuff like that. I kid you not, I wrote down the word cordial <laughs> so. to describe their small talk. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it wasn't necessarily awkward, I think. It was Mm-mm. just like they both know that there's something, something else that they want to say. And he invites her in for a cup of coffee and a donut. And then she sits down and just asks, without using any names, she just asks whether Luke has heard from him. Luke says... No, but he talked to his mother. She asks about, you know, logistics of getting him his stuff back and stuff like that. But then she says it wasn't his fault. And we get Luke kind of repeating the same thing he said at the end of last episode, which was, I know it wasn't. And mm-hmm. these two two allies in this moment just <laughs> kind of sit there feeling the weight of everything that's happened. <sighs> it's a hard scene. Yeah, it made me tear up really which I wasn't expecting but yeah like you said they're both like feeling the weight of this heavy stuff and it a lot is going unsaid Mm -hmm. but a lot is going like understood they're both hearing each other and understanding each other in a way that no one else is doing in this episode for either of them well I guess for Luke last episode and for Rory in this one like she doesn't have to like profusely apologize or anything like that like they just they both get it and I thought it it was it was just yeah it was really moving to me and he was the only person who let her like take responsibility Mm -hmm. in the matter you know like he I don't know he was just there for her and she was there for him too like this is probably really nice to hear on his return you know and he doesn't I and what I respect about Luke is that he doesn't hold anything against Rory either. Mm-hmm. Like he accepts her responsibility, but he forgives her too. And he's not holding it against her for the fact that Jess is now gone. And he's not holding against her the fight that he had with Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Like he easily could just not want to even see or talk to Rory based on the beef that he has with Lorelai right now, but that he doesn't let that affect their relationship at all and it was just like such a model of true like care and support I think is that was making me tear up (laughs) yeah I agree I was also just thinking about it probably in this conversation it also kind of communicates and confirms to him that nobody else has been believing Rory which makes me think Mm -hmm. that maybe that was the real reason why he went out of town it wasn't all about his fight with Lorelai but just that he knew how the town was going to react Mm. and he didn't want to 
go through that. Um, yeah. Because it would have been everybody just like coming at him and telling him how terrible Jess is. Mm. That's a good Should point. Be so he unfair. didn't want to deal with the haters. <laughs> yeah. Poor Luke. What an episode. I'm ready for... I know exactly what's coming next, and I'm <laughs> ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready as well. Ending on a bang. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you're listening. Um, join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And email us your thoughts to uh, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. And we're almost done with the season, but we do have some pretty great things coming after this season is done. So stay mm -hmm. tuned for more information about that. Yeah. And see you next week. Yeah, can't wait.